Welcome, fellow horror hounds, and welcome to the latest episode of Talk and Stalk, your unholy home for horror. I'm your host, as always, Barry. And just before I get into this podcast, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that listens to me, to everyone that has subscribed. Um, I've actually reached what I deem to be somewhat of a milestone, certainly for me at least. Uh, the, at the last check, I've actually got 102 subscribers. So a massive thank you to everyone that subscribes, just everyone that listens to my podcast. It really does mean a lot. Um, every subscribe is hugely appreciated. I do genuinely love doing this and I'm planning on continuing doing this for yeah the foreseeable future. So uh, thanks, to lot, thanks a lot, everyone. And uh, it really does mean a lot. Um, now, today's podcast is going to be devoted to what I believe is one of the best horror sequels of the 80s. Um, I feel like this is a film that is actually much better than it has any right to be. You know, following in the footsteps of one of the most iconic horror films ever made, a movie that is almost undeniably a classic, and that is Psycho 2. Now, this movie actually came out a whole 23 years after the original film. Um, of course, Psycho, you know, released in 1960, to me is very much kind of the granddaddy of contemporary horror films. You know, it's a film that certainly made an impact. Um, you know, it's a classic, without a doubt. It's one of the most iconic horror films ever made, with what is probably the most iconic scene in the history of horror cinema. Um, but, you know, Psycho, it's a classic. It's not a film that was generally well-received upon original release. This is a film that really didn't go down too well with, with most critics. Uh, the shower scene alone, I believed, really kind of caused some controversy. But, you know, uh, the rest is history. It's certainly one of Hitchcock's most popular movies. And uh, we got a sequel 23 years later. Now, the movie that we got is actually very different from the Psycho 2 novel, which was written by Robert Block. Robert Block wrote the original 1959 novel, and I think what Hitchcock did was genius, actually. Um, the movie itself was actually quite different from the novel. The character of Norman Bates was changed dramatically for the film. Um, you know, in the novel, um, Norman's character was very much, he was kind of a um, a hideously repulsive kind of man, you know, he was overweight. He was a guy that looked like a sex pest to basically not, you know, without sugarcoating it or anything. Um, Hitchcock didn't want that, you know, by casting someone like Anthony Perkins, you know, uh, the boy next door, you know, good looking, somebody that you would never suspect of being a monster. I just thought that was genius casting. And, uh, you know, he really, Anthony Perkins, just cemented himself in that role. He's just fantastic. From what I understand, the original novel of Psycho 2 um, actually had Norman Bates escaping from the mental institution. So not actually being released, but actually escaping and actually travelling to Hollywood to stop the production of a movie being based on his life. Um, Universal was not keen on the idea. To be honest, I'm not keen on the idea. I'm, I'm glad that the movie was very different from, from the actual novel. Uh, now, Psycho 2 had a, certainly a lot to live up to. Now, I don't know. Hitchcock may have been turning in his grave at the thought of a sequel to his film. Um, but at the same time, I have read that Pat Hitchcock, his daughter, 
who he'd actually cast on a few occasions. She appeared in a few episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and she was actually had a very small role in Psycho. Um, she apparently said her father would have loved the idea of, of a sequel, of a follow-up. Now, um, the movie was written by Tom Holland, who quickly become a big name in the horror genre. I believe it took him about six months to actually write, to fine-tune the script. Um but uh, obviously, you know, he went on to direct the likes of Fright Night, which is actually one of my personal favourite 80s horror films, uh, one of the best vampire films of the 80s. Uh, he also directed Child's Play, which obviously gave birth to, to Chucky, horror icon, um, and The Stepfather, released in 1987. Again, very good film. Um, this is a guy that was on his way up, certainly, became quite a big name in the horror genre. And it was actually directed by Richard Franklin, who, an Australian film director, who was actually very much a lifelong devotee of Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, they actually became good friends, in fact. Um, I think it was after seeing Psycho when he was about 11 or 12 years old. He absolutely fell in love with that movie. And uh, one of his earlier films as well, called Road Games, um, which was heavily inspired, in fact, by uh, 1954's Rear Window, widely regarded as being, you know, one of the best thrillers of all time and certainly one of Alfred Hitchcock's greatest movies. Um, it was very much kind of a nod to that. Um, so Richard Franklin was a guy that was, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, let's face it, one of the most influential film directors of all time. I feel like the guy, Hitchcock essentially helped mould the thriller genre as we've come to know it. And when Psycho was released, Psycho was very different from anything Hitchcock had done prior, you know. Um, and it's called, it's a thriller slash horror. The shower scene alone, you know, Hitchcock was told that he would ruin his reputation as one of the greatest film directors out there by doing something like that. But um, yeah, Richard Franklin. Uh, so, you know, I'd imagine it was a dream come true, being able to direct a sequel um, a sequel to a classic by one of his favourite directors. Now, I do believe that Brian De Palma, um, it was even discussed that he could direct. Now, Brian De Palma has very often cited that Hitchcock is his favourite film director of all time. Um, Brian De Palma actually did, um, you know, movies like Sisters, uh, Dress to Kill, which clearly, and Carrie, Carrie actually uses... Bernard Herrmann's um, psycho shower scene score in the movie. Um, he's, again, a huge devotee of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, but, yeah, this, this movie actually went to Richard Franklin, who I actually think did a really good job. I think this is a film that very much respects the original film whilst being a solid movie in its own right. Anthony Perkins is just fantastic. Um, you know, essentially, he's... He's a very sympathetic villain. You cannot help but feel for Norman Bates. A very, you know, a very three-dimensional, um, sympathetic performance by him. You know, he's released from the Institute. He's trying to get his life back on track. And he's haunted by the past. And, of course, you know, strange things start happening very soon after he's released. And, um... This is a movie that really does do a good job of generating suspense. Um, you know, the original movie, two people are killed in it. Now, this follows, you know, the slasher genre. 
the whole slasher subgenre had really kicked off at this point. And this film throws some kind of slasher movie-esque kills into the mix. That's kind of where horror was kind of going, the direction it was going in at the time. Um, but this movie never loses focus of what it is. This is a story about Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates. And of course, Meg Tilly is in there, who's again, Jennifer Tilly's sister, uh, great in this role. And, um, you know, of course, I, I do believe that Jamie Lee Curtis was actually considered for this role, which would have been a great nod to her mother's film, Psycho. Um, but I think that Jamie Lee Curtis was actually at the time trying to kind of distance herself from the horror genre. You know, she'd been in Halloween, Halloween 2, The Fog, you know, Prom Night, Terror Train. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, with this movie, uh, you know, it was great to have Vera Miles back. Um, you know, obviously her and her daughter, obviously in a bit of a twist, it turns out that, uh, you know, the girl that uh, Norman Bates has come to befriend is in fact Mary Loomis. Um, you know, she's actually the niece of Marion Crane, you know, killed in the shower. And they're actually trying to drive him crazy and get him institutionalised again. But of course, there is a body count. Some people are being killed off. There's, you know, a particularly creepy scene, for example, when Mary's actually getting in the shower, which again is kind of a, a great nod to the original movie. And uh, we get a glimpse of someone's eye through the peephole. It's a really kind of creepy moment. And I think there's a really effectively creepy scene later on in the movie where he's actually, um, you know, Norman gets a telephone call and he's hearing his mother's voice. But then, of course, you know, Mary believes it's her mother on the other end of the phone and she dresses up as his mother to try and get him off the telephone, etc. The fact that he's supposedly hearing this voice, but we don't hear the voice ourselves. It, it's very creepily effectively done. Um, now, the original house set was actually used for this movie as well. I love that gothic house like with the original movie. I love the sense of atmosphere that this film has. Uh, the motel, I believe, was actually reconstructed. Now, I do actually know that there was some criticism, apparently, upon original release that they reused the shower scene for the opening to this movie. Um, now, I think the original shower head was originally going to be used as well, but apparently it had been stolen. It had actually been taken. Um... You know, there's a scene in this film as well. It must be noted that uh, Anthony Perkins, uh, one of his sons is actually a film director slash actor, Oz Perkins, who's actually a pretty good director, actually. Uh, a movie that I would recommend of his is called February, which I actually thought was a really good slow-burning psychological horror film. Um, in a little flashback moment in the film, um we get a flashback of a young Norman Bates and the flashback that we get, it's actually um, Oz Perkins, Norman Bates' son, that actually plays the young Norman. Um, I think Franklin was a, a, a great choice, actually, to, to direct this film. Um, he's a guy that went to, I believe, the University of Southern California. He actually, the very same film school as uh, George Lucas, Robert Zemeckis and uh, John Carpenter. And I think he pays a lot of respect to, to the original movie. Now, I know some people out there that like this film as much, if not more, than the original film. I believe Quint Quentin Tarantino is actually someone that loves this movie and actually prefers it to the original film, which is a very high testament to this movie. Um, 
you know, uh, there's just so many. I mean, there's uh, there's another scene, a particular highlight. One scene that I think really kind of stands out is in the diner when he's working. There's obviously a guy that's taken over the motel. He's not particularly a very likable character. You know, he doesn't like the fact that Norman's back. This guy's, you know, come out of an institute, etc. And he starts taunting him. And uh, there's a scene where Norman's actually working, you know, um, in the kitchen counter and uh, he sees a message from his mother. And of course, he believes it's Loomis. He believes, sorry, it's the guy Toombs that's, uh, that's wrote the message. And then the message is gone. It's that whole kind of, is Norman Bates losing his mind again? Or is somebody actually trying to drive him crazy? Is the spirit of his mother there? And that's what I really like about this film. It's the emphasis on suspense. We know that Norman killed these people in the original film. But is he actually going back to his old ways there? Or is there some kind of, you know, kind of conspiracy or something going on here? And I think this film does a really good job in generating the suspense. Uh, Robert Loggia's in this film as well. I think Robert Loggia's great. He's in this movie who's kind of keeping a watch, if you will, on Norman. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, another scene that really kind of stands out to me as well is the end, which is actually kind of a twist. Um, when, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to assume anyone listening to this has seen Psycho 2, where it, we learn that the old lady that shows up has actually been looking out for Norman. She's actually been committing the murders and she was kind of, well, he, he's, he's believed to be his biological mother um, or adoptive mother. Um, I can't recall which now. And Norman actually kills her. Uh, with a shovel, bashes her across the head and actually puts her in his mum's old bedroom. And obviously the scene where she talks to him at the end. And I just love that final shot as he leaves the house. And there's that final shot of him standing there outside the house. It's it's an awesome little moment. Um, now, I think they actually use the universal backlot to actually uh, film for the setting of Fairvale, the small town, you know, close to the motel. Uh, this backlot was actually used for such films as Gremlins and Back to the Future, you know, two very popular 80s films. And um, I think as well that the, the fact that this film, um, I believe, was actually originally conceived as to be a TV movie. Um, this was going to be straight to TV, TV. And Norman Bates, I think there was even, as crazy as this may sound... I believe at one time there was actually talks of Christopher Walken. It wasn't certain that Anthony Perkins was going to actually be reprising his role. And Christopher Walken's name was being thrown about. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Nothing against Christopher Walken. I love Christopher Walken, but come on. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so and when Anthony Perkins was on board, they I think they decided, you know what? No, this we need to really go for a theatrical release here. And uh, it was a success. Uh, Psycho 2 actually made a bit more money than the original film at the box office. Now, admittedly, times have changed. You know, there was a huge insurgence of uh, a massive kind of horror wave going on in the 80s. Um, Psycho is a film that was very bold for its time. You know, when Psycho came out, Alfred Hitchcock had actually acquired the right to the books and all of the books were removed off the shop shelves. You know, he didn't want the less people that knew about that ending, the better. Um, so I think what Psycho 2 does, 
Psycho 2 is generally kind of a very suspenseful, well-made film in its own right, but it does pay a lot of respect to the original film and really kind of expands on the character, you know, of Norman. Um, it's a great Anthony Perkins vehicle and, you know, the knife as well. There's another scene in the movie where he's actually cutting. Uh, he, he's in the kitchen with Mary and he's actually cutting a sandwich up, I believe it is, um, which is, again, kind of a great little nod. Uh, the thing that he actually offers uh, Mary uh, is actually milk and a sandwich, which is the very same thing that he offered Marianne in the original movie. And uh, her name itself is actually a nod to the original movie. Um, Marion Crane's character actually wrote, uh, I believe it was Marie, Mary Samuels, that's it, Mary Samuels. Um, so yeah, um, I, think it's, I think it's a really well-made, suspenseful movie that probably, as I said, is probably better than it had any right to be. Uh, I think, you know, people were probably a little wary about a psycho too. Um, you know, Psycho 3, which came out just a few years later, um, I still think is actually quite a good slasher flick. It's certainly not as good as the, the first two movies. Um, it's notable for being directed by Anthony Perkins himself. Um, and it was kind of more going towards the wave of the kind of slasher movies that we were kind of in at that time. You know, that whole kind of slasher subgenre. But it still managed to be creepy it still had a sense of atmosphere to it and i absolutely love the tagline for psycho 3 which was um mum's off her rocker or mum's off her rocker again love the tagline to that um you know and jerry goldsmith's score for this film is just beautiful um i believe at first it was criticized for for not featuring bernard herman's score bernard herman you know, one of the most iconic scores in the history of cinema, the shower scene, without a doubt, um, obviously worked on quite a few Hitchcock movies uh, to not use. But I believe that Richard Franklin wanted this film to have its own identity. You know, he didn't want to be recycling the same things. And um, I think Jerry Goldsmith's score is fantastic. I mean, Jerry Goldsmith, obviously, again, a big name in the horror in the uh the movie score industry i think his score for this film is 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 great um it manages to be both beautiful yet strangely haunting at the same time there's there's a sense of creepiness to it but it really is quite beautiful um and i really like the attention to detail as well because there's a lot of props and the decor you from the original film that are actually used in this movie. They try to actually reuse as much as they could um, in terms of the props and uh, the decor. Um, you know, I think there's another nice kind of little touch, little cosmetic thing as well. Uh, Lila Loomis, obviously played by Vera Miles. Um, shortly before her death, um, a pretty brutal slasher movie-esque kill here, actually. And obviously there's another death earlier in the film with the two teens that are you know, making out in the house. But just before her death, she actually knocks the hanging lamp, which is exactly what she did in the 1960 original. Um, she actually knocks it upon the discovery of, you know, one of the biggest twists in film history, one that's obviously become ingrained very much into popular culture. Um, the discovery that, you know, not, um, 
Norman Bates's mother is actually dead. So just a nice little touch there. She knocks the hanging lamp for the second time. Um, so, yeah, I think Psycho 2, I actually think it's one of the best horror movie sequels of the 80s. Um, I think, you know, yes, Psycho's a classic. Um, you know, I think it's kind of over, easy to overlook Psycho 2, that Psycho could have worked perfectly well as a standalone film. Yes. But at the same time, what we got was a really effective sequel um, that, uh, yeah, as I said, actually one of my personal favourite uh, 80s horror movies, um, sequels, certainly. And um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, mean, I mean, another another little moment as well um, in the film that I think was, it was kind of added last minute. And that was, there's actually a scene where, where Norman actually goes into his childhood room um, and, you know, Meg Tilly's character, Mary is there with him. And um, it was added to kind of add some real kind of sympathy to the character that they wanted kind of like a real kind of moving moment to the film and that. And, you know, it really does work. It really does work. Um, and I like the fact that obviously... You know, as it turns out in the movie, we really do feel sorry for Norman. They're trying to drive him crazy. They're teaming up. They're trying to drive him crazy. And, uh, yeah, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I really wanted to talk about today um, regarding Psycho 2. Um, I can't really say it's underrated because I do know a lot of people that actually like and love this movie. Um, and I think it was generally well received, in fact, as well. Um, that over the years, it's certainly come to be very appreciated by a lot of horror fans out there. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for today. Um, so, yeah, thanks to everyone that listened. Um, and I'll be back again soon to haunt you, torment you and do whatever else. And uh, as I said, thanks to everyone that's listened to me. Thanks to everyone that has subscribed and I'll be back again soon. Take care.